You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. I think silver's going well beyond 50. Might take some time, but once it breaks 50, you know, the most bullish thing for commodity is a new all-time high. And I think that will happen in the next two years. That's kind of going out on a limb, but I do think that will happen given the monetary recklessness has been accelerated from COVID. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. Thank you for tuning in again. If you're listening in audio podcast only and this show has been a benefit to you, I would encourage you, if you could, leave a review and a comment of what the show has added to your investing in the resource sector. That would be much appreciated. Well, I'm joined today by the chief mining analyst over at GoldSeek. I'm speaking with Chris Marchese. He is also the co-founder and former director of Lamaria Royalties Corporation. He also co-authored The Silver Manifesto with David Morgan, a past guest of this show, and he is a student of Austrian School Economics. I've been receiving Chris's weekly emails uh, from GoldSeek where he profiles what has been going on in the junior mining sector in terms of producers and developers and offering his commentary. So Chris, thank you for coming on Mining Stock Education for the first time. Considering you have been involved in the royalty space as an entrepreneur and a director, let's let's start there. When you're looking over the opportunities from the investment standpoint in the royalty space, where are you seeing the best opportunities? Well, Bill, it's great to be with you. Um, it's definitely going to be still precious metals, but as but not from primary uh, gold mines or even silver mines because silver has uh, cost issues at the moment. But um, it's going to be in the base metal side, byproduct from base metals, uh, copper, lead, and zinc. Um, you know, the price the price has been hit pretty bad since. Um, the COVID pandemic, and it was they were even weakening uh, prior to that. But there's a lot of companies who need cash. Uh, they have good assets, or they want to engage in M and A at the uh, at opportune times. So um, you know we saw this before in 2015, 2016, where uh, Wheaton, Franco, Royal Gold, um, you know, took advantage of that and uh, made a lot of deals with um, companies that had uh, big base metal product. Uh, projects uh, to help recapitalize uh, their balance sheets and to uh, help with M&A. So that's where I think uh, there's going to be a lot of deals over the next 18 months. Uh, There hasn't been because um, the royalty companies can't uh, finish their due diligence because of the COVID pandemic. So I think they're just getting uh, their boots on the ground there. Do you think that the space is getting kind of crowded? I mean, it's, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you had a couple companies. Now it seems like everybody wants to start a royalty company. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, it's definitely gotten very crowded, especially in the in the smaller royalty space. Um, you know, that those are that haven't reached, uh, have no attributable production to, say, 15,000 ounces. Then there's a couple of companies in between, between 20 and 35. Then another couple between 50 and 100. And then you got your big boys up there um, past 250,000 ounces. So, yeah, there's uh, it's quite comp- competitive. And you can see that through the deals that are being made, uh, the internal rates of return are far lower than they used to be. 
because basically it's a uh, bidding process now. It's you don't talk exclusively with a company. Isn't it over five hundred million? It becomes a bidding war, or is it below that as well? Um, I would think that below that at this point now is a bidding process as well. So then, wh- when investors are looking at the royalty space, what? What impossible company would provide them the most upside? Is it like the EMX or the Altius where they have this organic stream through their own prospect generations, considering how competitive the sector is getting? Longer term, yes, but it would also be those companies with great management teams who know everybody that can get deals done on better terms. Uh, and it would be, this, you know, if you're looking for the highest return, it would be the smaller companies, of course. But, uh, you know, companies like uh, Cisco Gold Royalties, uh, Sean Rusin, you know, he, he's known very well in the industry. He's made uh, deals with exceptionally high internal rates of return relative to its peer group. Um, so there's things like that. But I don't think there's an, one individual company that has a um, big advantage over the others, except maybe the two largest, uh, Wheaton Precious and Franco, where they can easily do multiple 500 million to even a billion dollar deals. There's other single asset royalty companies out there like Abitibi Royalties. What are your thoughts when it comes to, uh, like from my vantage point, I want to see them telling me what they're going to do with this money and actively bidding or seeking out more royalties. What are your thoughts here? So in the case of Abitibi, uh, I mean, they have some that are not uh, on Canadian Malartic, although Canadian Malartic is going to be a very long-lived mine. Uh, there's a underground potential, which I think underground will start producing in the next couple of years. But um, I would say that it's most likely an eventual takeover target for uh, you know the larger companies. So you see consolidation then, M&A within the royalty space occurring soon? I, I wouldn't say soon. I would say once you know uh, companies can't find competitive deals and um, just by acquiring individual or portfolio of uh, royalties and streams anymore. Uh, this happened back you know in the early 2010s. Uh, say uh, Franco. Nevada uh, acquired Gold Wheaton at the time. Royal Gold acquired International Royalty Company. And the reason why I say it might be a while is because um, the royalty and streaming companies tend to trade at high NAV multiples. So um, then you're going to have to include a premium over that if you're a larger company buying a smaller company. So it's just uh, more accretive by going after individual deals at this point. What are your thoughts on the gold price? Are we looking for a breakout here or could we possibly, you know, test the lows below 1600? This is a kind of a hard one. It seems like every time um, it's headed lower and about to break, uh, there's, you know, good news in terms of for the gold price, bad for the economy, good for the gold price. Uh, Like last week, leading up to the FOMC meeting, you know, gold looked like it was about to break down a little bit, but then it bounced back up and we're, you know, twenty, thirty dollars above the seventeen hundred dollar level again. But I still think that sometime this summer we could test sixteen twenty five, sixteen fifty, or even fifteen ninety. Um, but I, I wouldn't expect that to last long. Yeah, do you believe that there's support at, at fifteen ninety? I've heard people say fifteen seventy five is like solid support. Yeah, you know, uh, technical analysis is, is isn't exact, but yeah, around that area. Um, and also see some 
at 1640, 1650. So what I'm looking for, what I think will happen is maybe a 1625, 1650 test. But, you know, we'll see. Um, and silver, you know, I could test back down in the 15s. You authored the Silver Manifesto, so you're obviously bullish on silver. For this cycle that we're in right now, could you share with us any expectations for the silver price and where it might go? Yeah. So uh, this year, I mean, I don't think it's going to do much this year. Maybe it can get to 20 in the back half Q4, if not early uh, next year. But, you know, once it can take out, first it's 1850, then about 2150, then the real test is the breakdown point from um, 2011, 2012 at 24, 25. And I think once we get above that, you know, we'll see uh, 45, 50 pretty quickly. Um, and right now it's obviously uh, being priced as an industrial metal, but I think once gold passes 2000, um, you know, people start looking for alternatives and silver, which has been, you know, money for 5,000 years will, you know, re retain its monetary status, which is kind of dissipated in the wake of COVID. Would you see, though, I know you said silver is being priced as an industrial metal, but do you see people buying it for, you know, ex expectations of inflation and its monetary value, especially after those March, mid-March lows? Oh, yeah, most definitely. And, you know, I think that'll take a while. People seem to be focused more on gold right now. That's why the uh, gold to silver ratio is so far out of whack. Um, and, you know, it, it's odd because uh, mining ratio is eight and a half, nine to one. Most, a lot of consumers consume gold isn't. Most is still above ground. So, you know, it's an interesting um, thing to think about. You know, once, yeah, once, like you said, once inflation starts to rear its head, even if we get a CPI print at 3%, I think it'll really start to move. So some investors will actually need to see that report and see those numbers rather than kind of just get the telegraph from the Fed of where things are headed? Yeah, I mean, obviously, some will get the telegraph from the Fed, which, I mean, they've laid out pretty well. So I'm actually surprised silver is still per, still below 20. But others, yeah, they'll see it when inflation, they think a lot of a lot of people's mindset is, oh, I'll wait till inflation starts to buy it. But that's usually too late. You're going to have to pay a considerably higher price. Like with gold, I mean, it's been moving up without headline inflation. And, um, you know, if you bought it back at eight, not seven, eight hundred, just 12 years ago, or even over the last couple of years at 12, 50, 1300, there hasn't been inflation. It's moved up to 1700. And that's probably going to move higher before inflation uh, really comes out. So if you wait till inflation uh, rears its head, you know, you're going to have to pay a considerably higher price. In 2016, in the first half, when silver went from just under $14 to almost $21, I had silver explorers just because they had silver in the name go triple. I had producers go as much as tenfold. So with your expectation that silver is going to 50, what are some of the ways that you are playing the silver junior miners? I think silver's going well beyond 50. Might take some time, but once it breaks 50, you know, the most bullish thing for commodity is a new all-time high. And I think that will happen in the next two years. That's kind of going out on a limb, but I do think that will happen given the monetary recklessness has been accelerated from COVID. And so how would you play the junior miners in that environment, knowing that that's coming? 
you know, you want to have the best in name producers if you can, some of those, some development companies, and, you know, those for a higher risk appetite, quality junior explorers, and even, you know, lower quality producers if you time it right. Because you could lose everything on them, but it will also move the most once the silver price really starts to break out. Like we saw, in, like you said, in 2016, a lot of the bad names perform the best. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Arcana Corporation is on the verge of bringing the world's highest grade silver mine into production. The Revenue Virginius Mine in Colorado has proven improbable silver reserves grading nearly 37 ounces per ton silver with an all-in sustaining production cost of only US $8 per ounce of silver. The mine is fully permitted with infrastructure already in place and the company has announced they plan to commence production in 2020. Achieving successful production usually results in a significant up share price re-rating on the Lasan curve. Arcana trades under the ticker AUN in Toronto and AUNFF in New York. To learn more, go to arcana.com. That's A-U-R-C-A-N-A.com. When you put together your own personal portfolio, do you take some of those high quality names, but also take some of those high cost producers as, as kind of like out of the money call options on a rising commodity price? Yeah, I mean, uh, yes, I do that. The high cost producers, I try not to go too high cost, you know, max all on sustaining costs of 1100 or so. So I don't put myself, that's for gold, obviously, or even 15, 16, 17, $18 for silver. And, um, but, you know, don't put too much weight into them because, you know, if they do outperform like I think they will, the weighting will increase rather dramatically. It's just, you know, a way to get more torque, give your portfolio more torque. What about discovery hole plays? You know, a company, an explorer puts out a good, really stellar hole. You invest in these or speculate, I should say, in these at all? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, quite a number of them. But, you know, you got to remember, don't put too much into each one. A lot of them, you know, they hit a great hole, but they won't hit anything else. And then, you know, it's actually kind of, it's smarter to, you know, buy a little once they hit a great intercept, buy more when they hit some more, and so on. And you won't uh, you know, optimize your total return, but you'll still generate a high return. Thoughts on jurisdictions. Uh, where do you invest? Do you, are there any areas that you stay away from? Uh, other than parts of Africa, Mongolia, you know, I think it's fine to invest everywhere as long as you know the risks and you limit your exposure to those which you view as you know, riskier jurisdictions. But are you more centralized in North America or in the in the Americas? Yeah, um, some West Africa, some Australia, some have uh, European mines in Europe. So and then you know I was in Papua New Guinea, but after the basically a barracks mine, Borgera, is basically getting nationalized. Uh, you know that set up set up a red flag. So you just got to be wary of what's going on elsewhere in the country as well. We touched on the M&A potential in the royalty space, but if we're at the bottom and things are going to be going higher, shouldn't we be seeing more M&A right now in the gold and silver producing sector? Yeah. Uh, so the silver sector, that's a little more difficult because there are just... Uh, spaces. There's not a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but gold, I mean, there really was last year a big year. Earlier this year was a big year. But once... Uh, COVID broke out, I think that put, you know, a six month, eight month uh, delay on a lot of M&A acquisitions. 
because they couldn't complete due diligence like the royalty companies. And, um, and you got to get fair valuations because it, what's be, the new normal is, at least for the time being, is uh, at-the-market mergers or mergers with minimal premiums, say 20 30%, not uh, like we saw in the late 2010s towards the end of the bull market where you're getting 50, 70, 80% premiums, and two years later, it turns out to be a huge destruction of capital. So then would you speculate at this point uh, in terms of your own investment portfolio by a potential takeout target? I've spoke with Rick Rule over the last two years, and he said that was one of his strategies. Are you employing that at all in your own, your own portfolio? Yeah, I do that as well, but I also uh, have companies that I will... I would own regardless. So, you know, if it doesn't get taken over, it's still going to, I think, will still do well. So kind of mitigate the risk on that. But now, I mean, I think, you know, 100,000 ounce producers to 250, a lot of them are ripe takeover targets in this market where, you know, exploration has been, uh, they've been finding fewer and fewer quality deposits. So in order to add not uh, production growth, but just mine life, to, to existing, to your ongoing production profile, you're, I mean, m and is going to have to take place. And if it does take place and you own that 100 to 200 ounce producer, what type of premium would you want to see at this stage in the market? You know, I'm not too concerned about the premium. It's if a good company buys it and I see value creation there. So you're assuming you get shares rather than cash? Yeah, that's how most of them are. Um, nowadays, people, especially mining companies, want to uh, conserve cash in case uh, you know there's another COVID, and that's kind of been the theme after 2013 through 2015, where the balance balance sheets in general were were quite pathetic. And um, yeah, I think a lot will be cash deals, or you know, or sorry, stock deals, or stock and a little bit of ca- a small cash component. As we bring this conversation um, to a conclusion, what are your expectations for the summer? We're in mid-June right now. Are we going to see the summer doldrums or are we going to see 4th of July fireworks more than just on the 4th? Okay, so barring any black swans, you know, the Fed going, taking rates negative or the announcement of a massive stimulus or, um, you know, other, other asset purchase programs, bailouts, helicopter money. Then I think it'll be summer doldrums. But, uh, you know, it's really hard at a time like this to uh, accurately predict what's going to happen. And there's so many unknowns. But the be right, sit tight with your gold miners and your your gold equities. That's uh, something you're obviously content with this summer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, it's smart to have some cash in case we do get a retest of lows below sixteen hundred or silver 15 or lower. so I, you know, I've been waiting for that, but and hopefully I'm wrong. I do think some kind of material pullback will occur. You can follow Chris on Twitter at cjmauag. I'll also link to that in the show description below. And if you want to receive Chris's weekly email, I believe you just go over to goldseek.com and sign up for their email list. Is that right, Chris? That's correct. Well, Chris, thank you for coming on Mining Stock Education today and sharing your insights. It's much appreciated. A pleasure.
Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks concomitant with that if you don't do the work or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too i just started to study up on mining stocks and i just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really you could do really really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly the mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident. And just do your work as best you can. Do your very best. But don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents. But it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.